there's always something to learn even till now i'm still learning but at the same time it does help out when you try to focus on that point of culture rather than hr for me personally like i wanted to find out more about the people the human touch right how can i deal with human resources in the most human way possible rather than a policy driven type of way and with that i felt the avenue was culture co you're listening to All In, a podcast brought to you by the Refined Gentleman's Lifestyle Lounge, powered by Podcast Network Asia. In this episode, Noel sits down with Gino Cabigao, the founder of CultureCo, the leading company when it comes to creating company culture. This is All In. What's going on? So in this episode, welcome to the All In podcast brought to you by the Refined Lifestyle Lounge in BGC. Uh, our first guest is Gino Cabagiao. I don't even know if I pronounce that all the time. You got it right. Pretty right. So I just thought it was fitting that our very first guest on the podcast is our very first customer at the Refine. And that was what over years ago. I remember my staff was so nervous because, uh, I mean, we've been practicing the month of October. It was purely friends and family. It was us practicing kind of how to, you know, welcome, you know, new clients coming in and how to talk to them and calling them by their first name, which was super unrare in a, I guess, in a business in the Philippines. It was crazy. So you being the first guest and happening to be a foreigner, quote unquote foreigner, that was hilarious because I saw their face turn white. They just had no idea. Oh my God, shit just got real. And you can tell like it wasn't natural yet in the way they were talking to you and they were trying so hard not to say, um, sir, to you. You being the first client of the Refine that day was perfect because you were understanding, you understand culture in a workplace. I mean, it was, it was amazing because we could have got somebody who was like already pissed off that customer service you know, let's be frank, it's not very good in the Philippines at um, most times. And again, it's not at the fault of the employee that's working there. It's, I, I always say, I always blame it on the managers or actual the owner of the, the place that you didn't train your employees right or just kind of thought, ah, oh, that's not a big deal. So having you come in and, and being understanding and, 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 you know, accepting their nervousness as, as more of excitement that was awesome. So yeah, so thank you for being the very first guest and the very first customer or client at the Refine. I know you personally as a friend, but you know what? You're from Jersey, man. I think we po- I obviously have similar backgrounds, but yeah, tell me, like, how did it all start, man? Like, how the fuck did you get to the Philippines? Whew. Well, that was, um, you know, that adventure. I'm sure you're aware about it, you know, being from Canada as well. It's a leap of faith. You know, sometimes you go into this blindly, um, to an extent, just because you haven't done this before, right? You haven't, for me personally, I haven't worked in the Philippines. I haven't lived in the Philippines for such a long time. And for me being comfortable, you know, um, being by New York, having my job ready, having a car, uh, it's pretty steady over there, having a pretty steady career. But there's always that, um, that thought, that mindset. And I think my dad instilled that in me. It's sort of like that growth mindset that there's more to it. And meets the eye. I mean, not to quote Transformers, but it's sort of in that sense where uh, you sort of want to like reach beyond what you think it's already there. You don't want to sort of limit yourself to the four corners. And I, you know, I'm thankful for my experience in the States working with different diversities, different cultures, because that does expand your mind. You do see like, hey, there's other cultures out there to explore. There's uh, so much different ways, there's so much different opportunities. And I think from my job, like, you know, working as an intern. So, you know, after law school, did my internship for HR. I was that dude who uh, brought coffee and donuts to the meetings. And on my skateboard, since I didn't have a car at that time, um, I would do that. So I was sort of that, that guy who sort of just did everything, you know, without so much fancy things. And then growing from that, like my boss at that time was this Irish dude. And if I didn't get my work done, his face would turn red and uh, turn all Irish on me and sort of just like curse me out. And I, you know, me being Filipino, I wasn't used to that type of culture, right? But me being American, you're used to that. And I think from that, um, I sort of wanted to bring that forward to the Philippines. When I vacationed here, you know, like you said, Noel, a lot of ma'am, sir. And, you know, we can't limit ourselves. I feel like in the Philippines, we can't always limit ourselves to that kind of mindset where 
there's somebody always better or there's somebody higher than us. And I think yeah. um, that's something that, you know, I wanted to bring over here or help at least build over here. It's sort of like, get out of that mindset. Let's uh, learn to also lead and to take initiatives. And me being, you know, Filipino blood, even though I was born in America, it can happen, right? And so that's what, um, that, that leap of faith was triggered by that. It wasn't by finances. It wasn't by anything else. It was more of trying to make a change for not only to me as an American, but also me as a Filipino and sort of like help both cultures blend. So yeah, it was that leap of faith of that mindset that really put me over here. That's cool. Yeah, no, I totally, totally relate, man. I mean, learning quickly about customer service here is really instilled based back in the day of colonial times. And that's why they, they, they serve the way they do, right? It's just the way the colonial way is like, you never go up to a table at a restaurant if you're the server and ask them how they're doing. You have to be actually summons to come over, which obviously you know that it's opposite. If, you, if a server didn't come after two minutes you know, of dropping your food on your table, you're gonna be pissed as an American or North American. You're like, what the fuck is this? Like, hello, yeah. ask me if I oh, like it or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's here. And I, get, I know, and that's so funny because it's like, I think us foreigners, we do have to get patience. We need to understand we don't live in America anymore. Because I, ca I catch myself and I know Amy kind of slaps me in the head in a way, you know, that, hey, relax. Um, don't act that way because they don't know any better, right? And because I'm so, we're obviously so used to a certain way of customer service. But again, that's that's an opportunity right that's an opportunity for especially for an entrepreneur to look at that and says hey this needs to change i can help that change right who who better can train and create a culture um than someone from north america like yourself that lived it breathed it right so you know like i think that's why i feel i mean for many reasons but i think that's why starbucks does so freaking well especially in developing countries but in the philippines it does so well is because um, the customer service is is amazing. Like, like it's no. I, I'm actually that is one thing I'm super amazed about living in the Philippines, man. Is that Starbucks is still freaking good. Like they know you the, just the greeting because the, the Philippines has all the ingredients, man. We're like the friendliest people in the world. So all you need to do is train that, and there you go. And that's what you're doing right now. I mean, that's. I mean, I know from my staff, man, and my team at, at, at the Refine, they love you. Like, I, I have seen a difference, big time difference of you coming in on board. And even prior of you starting Culture Co, um, you were very hands-on uh, with making the staff feel comfortable and how they talk and how they address clients. And, you know, so that's amazing. I think it was a perfect fit when we finally brought in Culture Co. But um, again, before we get into that, like, you know, living... Did you ever have any um, thoughts of going back to the States? States, well, you know, um, when I vacation in the States like I did last year, there's always thoughts like, do I rip this plane ticket apart? Do I just stay here and stuff? But um, at the same time, as much as I miss those bagels, I miss that pepperoni pizza from Prince Street in New York, um, there's still that growth mindset where I feel there's opportunity here in the Philippines. You know, I think, uh, like you said, that there's a lot of great people just like your team you have a great team behind you and i think um it's worth it you know to really help the individuals over here not only uh, help them but for me i'm learning a lot i'm learning a lot from the culture over here from like the filipinos the filipinos and i think it's great so i think even though there are thoughts for me to go back mm -hmm. i think right now there's still opportunities for me over here to sort of like finish and accomplish right and i think if i go back now I'll feel short, like handed. Yeah. Do you ever feel like when you go back to visit back in the States, and I, I almost slipped it up, I almost said go back home, which I'm slowly changing that because I feel like, yeah, obviously Philippines is my home, but I obviously Toronto, where I'm from, I, I, I love it. I love my two kids are there. You know, I do have, the plans is to go back and forth. I, I definitely want to be a nomad in a sense of moving back and forth. But at, at this point in my legacy, it's it's focused here because everything is obviously planting the seeds here but do, when you go back to the states to visit do you ever get that moment of after maybe the third day you're like what the fuck am i doing here i want to go back to the philippines 
Like, yeah. I know you do. Weird. I remember like, it, it feels, yeah. it feels, I don't want to say the word awkward, but probably that's the best descriptor to use is awkward because I feel, I think awkward in a sense that I can't believe I feel like a foreigner in a place I grew up like 45 years or 45, six years, 46 years of my life was there really. Right. So it's like, how the hell, like, how does this feel like riding this, you know, the subway? I feel like, like a freaking tourist. And, but there's something about the Philippines and I don't know it's about if it's quote unquote, the Philippines or if it's just our legacy, we know we have where we have to be and we're so hyper-focused on what we're doing, living that authentic self, you know, that we all are doing that, you know, I guess I'll plug the name all in. We're all going all in, in our life, you know, I, it's it's a weird shift and it still screws up with my brain when I go back home like in Christmas time I did the same thing and I, I rode the streetcar I'm like what am I doing like I feel weird here so do you feel the same way or is that I'm just I'm super well weird. I mean like I love New Jersey New York it's still my home like I for me I can personally live in either place but I think it's sort of I can relate it to sort of I mean it's perfect fitting for the last dance of Michael Jordan uh, Michael Jordan he had millions of dollars he had a crazy nice home that he can stay in even though he had a lot of uh money but he chose to go back to the court to the basketball court and i think in uh in a similar sense the philippines is that basketball court for me mm. it's sort of like yeah you have all the comforts in your home back it. in the states but that it. goal wow. yeah that goal is still there like so if, even though he could stay there he still chooses to play those 72 games those games in the nba just because there's that goal there the court is his goal and no matter where you are, you know, just like Michael Jordan, he's going to go back to that court. I mean, he had to come out of retirement how many times uh, he could have, like, been anywhere in the world, but he chose to get out of retirement to go back to his home, per se, which is a court. And I think similar, you know, it's the same uh, kind of concept where even though I'm back in New York, that court, the Philippines, there's still unfinished business there. There's still that goal. And I think unless you finish that goal, unless you're content with that goal, um, home won't feel the same. And I think uh, that's where the Philippines is at right now. That's why we call it home. It's because there is that mission. There is that goal that we want to attain. It's like, you know, well, I know you're hungry for that goal. I can see you working day in, day out just to get your goals. And I think even though you're stuck at home, I know you want to get out there and like finish that goal uh, with, the, you know, Maven or find yeah, and other yeah. things. So, Yeah, I was definitely like that in the first week or two of the quarantine. But I think I really, I, I don't know, this is just maybe makes me feel better. Um, I'm not rushing to get out. I feel like this is an opportunity as we speak right now, like what we're going through right now to, to adapt. And I know the first couple of weeks we, we started adapting for obviously for the Refine and Maven and moving forward and what are we going to do and when are we going to do it? And, and have a, we have a strategy and a game plan for that. But then I'm not rushing it. Like for me, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like I'd rather stay in quarantine to get this right. You know what I mean? It's like, who, I, I know I don't want to fucking get it lifted and then get it closed down again after a week or two. You know what I mean? That, if anything, that's going to screw with a lot of people's brains. And because as soon as you get that momentum, you want to continue the momentum. But if that momentum is stopped within two weeks, because we find out that it's, it's happening again, it's like, Fuck that. Let's just continue. I'm, we're on a roll. We're all working. I mean, doing this podcast, it doesn't feel like work. So, you know, it's kind of weird, but I don't feel like I'm working every single day, to be honest with you. I, I know Amy asked me this all the time, and I, I can relate to her. Is She says, was I busy yesterday? Was I productive yesterday? And I think the answer is always yes. But because we love what we do, it, it doesn't feel like work. So we kind of questioned, did we actually do work yesterday? And I, I know I do. I mean, fuck, I'm, I'm, I get, you know, get to do this. And, you know, after I talk to you, there's other people I'm going to be having similar conversations with, obviously their, their lifestyle, their life, you know, added into it. So this is not work and yeah, we love it. And you're, I love that. Wow. That kind of, cause I just watched the last dance or the first episode last night, Michael Jordan. And yeah, you're right, man. Like that's, that actually answers. Cause I've been trying to answer that question of why do I always feel weird in Toronto? Because I have, it's guilt that, that I'm feeling because I love, love Toronto. Like 
you saw the back of the bar is a skyline of Toronto. <laughs> and you're Tim Hortons too. Yeah, yeah your Tim, orders from there. So. Even yeah. though Tim is like the worst coffee ever, I still love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because of that, you know, that family feel, like that's where I'm, but when I go back home, it kind of feels weird. And you're right. It's, I have all the luxuries, you know, I have my family, my kids, my mom, everyone in Toronto. That's the comforts of Michael Jordan, his mansion and his life. But we always have this thing that I got to get back on the court. And you're hundred percent right. Cause we're not even after like, this is, I guess, considered practice when we're working where Michael Jordan continued to practice after practice, after the games, he's still practicing. And I think that's what we're, we're doing. And, and because it doesn't feel like work, it, that's why it's, it's authentic to us. That's why it's natural. And it's not natural when we're not on court. So, I mean, okay. So let's transition to that. And I mean, you worked at task us. So that's, I guess that's one thing I do know that you came to the Philippines because you interviewed for a company called task us, right? Yeah. So, so what they contact you in Jersey and were you going to, did you know you're going to be transferred to the Philippines or was this, Holy shit. I'm going to the Philippines. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I was like totally fucking out of my mind just because I didn't even sign a job, job contract yet. And I was like, you know, Tascos at that time was still pretty small, relatively small. I was working for a corporate company, Coach USA. And I'm like, shit, if I go to the Philippines, how, like, you know, they could have just easily pranked me and said, ha ha, I got you. Um, you know, <laughs> whatever that kind of thing is. So with Tascos, it was a great opportunity. What I loved about Tascos is when I interviewed with Bryce in California, yeah. he took some time, like this guy was busy, like, you know, he's doing some work, but he took some time just to like sit down and just talk to me about like, New York because he's from NYU and then just taking that time and I think it was similar to the way I met you Noel like you know even though you're at work um, you still took some time and while Jason was cutting my hair shout out to Jason um, you took some time to just like talk to me and I think with Tascos it was the same way that's what really drove me to the company it's really that personal touch that have that unique touch of that the company gives to you that makes you feel welcome and so with Tascos, that's what drove me. Like, you know, there were a couple of companies in the Philippines that were giving me higher salaries, higher packages, but um, it was really that personal touch that changed it and made me pick Tascos. Yeah. Yeah. Huge shout out to Tascos, man. I mean, what I know of Tascos, obviously you working there and, and, and uh, other friends that work there, it's an amazing company. Like they really brought in, and I think that's why they do so well. And that's why they progress as quickly as they did. Like, I mean, I got to meet Jasper and Bryce. Um, while they were in the Philippines, man, it's like, who the, what, when does that happen? You know what I mean? I get to talk to them and they're so easygoing guys, man. But these guys created this, this, I, I, I hate using the word unicorn, but that's, that's the best descriptor when describing something that does very well. Um, the unicorn, they, they've done really well and, and, you know, year, I think even month after over month, uh, they do well, but I know for sure too, of the stories I've heard from friends that are pretty high up in there that it wasn't always like that. It was, they were struggling in the beginning. They were, you know, month to month trying to have, you know, pay salaries and just as scary as everyone. But I think people forget about, about that shit. Like, especially with the new entrepreneurs, new quote unquote, uh, self-proclaimed CEOs, the young ones or even the older ones, whatever. If you're first time coming into starting your own business, man, I think that's the pitfall that they fall into, that they forget that these big co successful companies like Tascas that has, I, I think, changed the way the work, how work and employees uh, are connected in culture for all companies. I mean, they brought that in and you were a big a part of that. Uh, I think com uh, small businesses or startups, they forget that it wasn't always like that, man. It was kind of like a trial and error. And I know that for sure that would task us when they had a small space and you know they didn't you know they're trying to collect you know their i guess whatever uh, the bills they're trying to do belt collection and and so they can turn on leave the lights on or pay for the lights it wasn't happening right so they were struggling but they kept at it right but i think entrepreneurs the new entrepreneurs now they forget that it's not going to be easy all the time like it's yes you love it and it feels great but as soon as you hit that obstacle 
a lot of them quit, right? But when I heard about, when I met Bryce and Jasper and I hear about the stories about Cascas and where they were now, it was so motivating, man. But I think that's in credit to them too. You're where you're at and you've created Culture Co. based off the learnings from Task Us. Like that, it was a calling. Like, like I said, universe, 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 but it, it led you to the next part of your legacy, which is Culture Co. And that's, you know, man, I remember the conversation. Uh, I, when you introduced Culture Co. to me, which <laughs> let's, let's give the uh, people listening it didn't start off as Culture Co. It started off as HR 101. And I think my exact words was, what the fuck is that? Right? Those are your exact words. My yeah. exact what the fuck is HR 101? And then you, I, I, then you started telling me what it was. I'm like, oh, it's a company you're starting. That's, <laughs> that, that, that name sucks. Right? And I've, we've always had that relationship, and, and that's what I love about it. And I think I'm like that with a lot of people when it comes to business. I'm pretty straightforward, direct. If I don't like it, yeah. I'll tell you. I mean, that's my opinion, and you can shove it up my ass if you don't agree with it. But it's up to you. Um, but, yeah, man, like I remember when you came up with it and you showed me the logo. I'm like, huh? And I think that's when I said, uh, give me five minutes. And I created the logo, came up with the name. For you, and again, I'm not taking absolutely any credit from it. I just you should, I, you should. No, take I'm not. I'm totally great. not because yeah. it was just for me. It was just a name that it was a simplification of what you were doing, and that's all it is. When you're an entrepreneur or a small business or a startup, sometimes you're so too deep into it that you don't see everything around it. That you're you your brain can't function that way. It's too deep in the weeds, kind of thing. So someone like me that's so simple-minded, and I'll be honest with you, I think that where I take a lot of credit for what I've done, I, I simplify everything because it works in my brain. It was just a simplification of what you were doing, but I can't take any credit for it because honestly, what you did to Culture Code, that's the important part and what you're bringing to it, right? Uh, yeah, so Culture Code, tell me, like, I mean, everyone, listeners, tell what Culture Code is. I, I, I fucking love it to the point that we brought you guys in for Refine and Maven and obviously other projects that I'm going to be doing, I'm bringing you in because that is as important as account, the accountants, the you know, CAs of our department and our company. I think culture with HR is, with the employees is really almost up there because without them, like we got shit, right? I always say that customers don't come first. It's our employees that come first. Second is the employee, uh, the, the the customer. So yeah, tell you know, tell me how did you how did you start Culture Code, man? Well, with you and uh, at the Refine, that's how it started. <laughs> well, but um, just to uh, backtrack a little bit, like you said, HR one hundred and one. I was like, when, you know, after you gave me that epiphany, that um, sort of new outlook, I'm like, wow, why did I even name it HR one hundred and one? And I think, you know, honestly, now that I look back on it, which is a great point that you brought up. I think it wasn't about tasks, but it was more about the HR industry here. I felt that that name was sort of like a byproduct of it, where I felt that it was still, you know, tr pretty much traditional. So in my mindset, like, how do I think about this terms? I'm like, oh, it's HR. But then, like, if I go back, like, you know, getting advice from you, from, um, from somebody who couldn't think outside of the HR realm, there is more to HR than just HR. And I think the HR industry here just limited that mindset. And I called it HR 101 just because that's what everybody knows. Yeah. But then now I realize like that's, you know, if I go to HR, that's a lot. There's so many consultants out there. There's so much companies yeah. that deal yeah. with HR. That's, you know, you have to look at the problem. And when I look at it, when I thank you, Rob, uh, for doing this, but when he put me in business development for Southeast Asia, you know, when I went to like Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, I asked them they're like HR and they're like, oh, we have HR. It's like, oh. But then, like, you know, I look at what they're looking for. Like, oh, you know, like right now we're having a hard time keeping employees. The culture is not that great. Yeah. Then when you start hearing that word culture, culture, you're like, oh, damn, like that's what I should have been focused on all along. And then you look at Google, you look at Starbucks, like you mentioned, they're focusing on that. And I think that's what one thing that I wanted to focus on over here. It's the culture. Like you don't, if you Google culture consultants, it's not as, you know, you won't see as much as HR. And on top of that, what I believe is that what I see is HR then culture, but then what culture co should uh, represent. It's sort of that you should develop the culture first before you put the HR there. Yeah. Like the way I see it, I think 
we always say the word HR because that's obviously the abbreviation, but what it stands for is human resources. I think that's the coldest term ever to call someone who handles employees is you're a resource. You're a human resource. That's all you are in the company. And I mean, fuck, I'm going to trademark it. We should change it to culture department. That's the culture department and that's a culture manager. That's the culture director. Like take out the HR aspect of it. Cause I, again, that's, I think obviously that's the part of the problem is when you call your employees human resources, it really, that, like it, you know, that's how you'll treat them. But I've no, well, here's the irony about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Noah, like pretend like, you know, back in the days when, uh, before you were a CEO entrepreneur, when you had to like earn your stripes, if you saw your HR coming around, were oh, you fuck. happy or were you terrified? Oh, fuck. Terrified. And if I went into a room and it happened a couple of times that if I go in the room where my boss is and the HR person is there and they tell me to close the door, that's what it is. That's like, oh, fuck. And that's not, that's not how it should be. Like, you should be like happy to see the HR person because they're there to make you happy as an employee. But yet you, it's like, it's, yeah, you're right. It's the scariest fucking thing when you go and, into And it's the term itself. Look, like you said, it's a, you're supposed to be human resources. How can you be human resources if people are scared of you? How can you become a resource? You have this uh, mark on you where your people are terrified about you. And so I think those terms being a human resource and the job itself, it could contradict. And so this is where culture comes in, you know, being somebody who's focused on culture. I mean, you will have tough conversations, right? And I think that's part of it with every company. You will have tough conversations. We can't be glorified and say everything will be happy. Everything will be yeah. perfect. There's no such thing. Um, but at the same time, you should be able to present yourself as an HR individual where you actually are a resource where you can actually help out rather than people fearing you. And like you mentioned, you said you got scared if, people, if the HR locked their door. So, I mean, how can you become an HR person if people are scared about you? And that yeah, always that's always got to my mind. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why we got to trademark uh, this thing now. It's culture directors and culture managers. And, you know, that's we need to change HR and change that name to culture department. I mean, I'll start that with at the Refine and Maven and Prospect is we don't have an HR department. We have a fucking culture department. Um, and I think... It just, it's not, it, I think it's like a, oh, let's just get an HR person. No, man, because if you, as soon as you lose an employee or you have to let go of an employee, that is, it, it takes a hit. Obviously, money-wise, financially-wise, it takes a hit, but also just in spirit for all the employees that has witnessed that someone got let go or whatever, it's, it's hard. So you need to create that culture of, you know, it's going to be okay. And I know for sure, like, I mean, not that I've witnessed it, but I know the, the, the outcome of it when it happens, when you have to let go of somebody. If you had to let go of somebody, if I had to let go of somebody, it's two, two different things. Absolutely two different things. Especially for me, it's like I don't have the skill set to, to do that. And, I, you know, I mean, for you, you, I've noticed that you actually took time. I think one person, you know, without naming names, you, you know, we had to let them, let them go. And you spent probably an hour and a half to two hours with them afterwards to sit with them and help them get you know how can i get you back on your feet and how can we do this how can we prepare you for you know getting another job and so on and so forth is there anything else we can do like you went above and beyond that any that's why above and beyond any hr director will do and i think that's where that's where you differ man and i think that's why we need to get that back into or introduced to all the companies because i feel like if you do that man like your company is going to be so productive afterwards. And I've noticed a big change when you got, when you came in and your team, I saw a big change with our staff. Obviously we still have our issues that I've noticed, but it's not as much as before. And people are now have a, a, a an avenue to go to when they have a complaint or they have a problem that needs to be solved. They know that I can just go to Gino. Right. So that's, that's amazing. But I mean, with culture call, I mean, we're, what's, where are you at right now and where's the next step? Well, from the time, you know, I, I, we started Culture Co. when I was still with Tasos. I was doing it sort of like a voluntary project kind of thing. And it's sort of to test out the market to see, like I mentioned before, like what's out there? What are people looking for? I'm not looking at what people already have. I'm looking at what are people looking for? What do they need? What's the problem? Um, I'm not here to tackle and just go along with what's, uh, what everybody else is doing. 
And uh, so with that, when I did what I was doing business development for Taskus, uh, I was a former culture as well. I put all these learnings together and then eventually just flew. I mean, this is not culture code. There's no investors. It's really myself, uh, Des, Reg, and a couple of different people who help out. But it's more of like, hey, guys, like, you know, ladies, gents, we got to earn it. I'm not here to, you know, our back against the wall. You either work for it or, you know, we sort of have to find other avenues. So it's sort of that mindset of like, you know, hustle and grind and make it work. Um, this is our project. It's not just mine. This is the reason, you know, I told him like, why don't you just name it Gino's Consultant? I'm like, no, the point of Culture Co., it's not for me. It's not like just for me. It's supposed to be a community-based uh, type of program organization where it helps people out. The main focus is helping companies out. And we did this, like, you know, we did this for, you know, a um, couple of months where we just gave out free advice and just put into work because it also gave us an avenue to learn because it's not something where I'm going to go there and say, hey, I'm an expert at this. Uh, there's always something to learn even till now I'm still learning, but at the same time, um, you have to be open to the fact that you also have to, you know, me having the background with Tascos with a company that's known for culture and even in the U S um, it does help out when you try to focus on that point of culture rather than HR. And for, if you ask Rob, he's like, Oh, what's a KPI? I didn't know what the fuck a KPI was. So later on, you yeah. so pissed off at me at that point. <laughs> but for me, like my focus is always on the people. Like my focus. Yeah. I can get these terms, these policies, but for me personally, like I wanted to find out more about the people, the human touch, right? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to find out more about how can I deal with um, human resources in, more, in the most human way possible rather than a policy-driven type of way. And with that, I felt the avenue was Culture Co. Yeah. And with Culture Co, it's like I said, it's focusing on the culture because if I copy and paste every HR policy to every company, the dress code, attendance and leaves policy, it won't work. Right. So this is why where culture comes in, because you have to study the culture first, study what the entrepreneur, what the owner, what the heads want, and then develop these HR practices from there. But the key foundation to this whole thing, it's that human element. I think um, with AI, with all these technologies, um, I know, Noel, you love to like socialize with your people. And I love that, like whether it's the employees, whether it's the clients. And I think that's such a crucial part of the culture. It's that human element to it like where we can't be so focused on policies because i mean for me personally as as counter to as it is to hr rules are meant to be broken these policies are meant to be broken and why it's not for for the sake of like oh yeah somebody's going to be um late 30 times it's more for the sake like hey if this rule does not apply to this company and to the team it's not helping them out be productive you gotta yeah. change it you gotta yeah. turn this around yeah you kind of said yeah you're even saying that hey you know also you talk to the owners of the company see what they want i mean most time than not they have no idea what they want or what they want is wrong because again you're you're looking back you're trying to go against you know how many years of colonialization in the philippines and they don't know any better they think that's the way it is but it's not like i think the philippines i know for me i've been coming to the philippines i think i started coming here when i was 16 years old and then it went to 19 and then after 19 years old i would accompany my grandma to the philippines back and forth so i would get to stay about a month here so i got to see how the philippines was before mtv and sky cable and all that tv stuff like it it's different man like yaya i'm like oh this you know they have a yaya and they have help and a maid i mean maid was crazy when i first saw that i'm like what the hell is this maid like why are you ironing my clothes kind of thing right but imagine how many years that is that we you're trying to break in a way in company because they're they're basically running companies like how they would run their house household sometimes with help and how they talk to them and now i think it's changing quite a bit because of the middle class is now being created in the philippines and it's growing all the time right especially after this quarantine the middle class is going to explode i feel um because it's going to be everyone's trying to adapt and everything but there's families now that are having kids without yayas. They're doing themselves. They don't have a driver or a man. And I mean, obviously it's still happening, but I think that's changing. And I think you coming into the business, you're also changing that too. It's weird. Culture Co is actually putting back the human in human resources, um, which is so ironic if you look at it, because that was where the problem stemmed from was the name human resources. So, I mean, it's, I think going back to like, 
you know, going back to New Jersey and New York, I think it's funny that, and let me know if you agree with this, is that our experiences abroad when we moved, when we were a kid, I think, I'm not sure if you were born in the States. I'm assuming you were. I was born in the Philippines, left when I was four years old, and my family started a new life in Toronto. I think those years was really taught, like that. I went through that life to prepare me for me being in the Philippines. You know what I mean? And I think all the foreigners that I've talked to have the same feeling as like, holy shit, I'm, everything that I learned in grade school, in high school, in college, and all my experiences in North America prepared me for my life here in the Philippines. And we're bringing that experience back and, 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 and showing the, the local Filipinos, local business guys, a different way of doing things. Not saying it's right or wrong. It's just it is it is different, and it's up to them if they want to take it. But I feel like it's starting to be embraced more and more, especially with the refined. The only thing we really changed besides the concept, obviously, is the customer service. That's all. Like we just brought in, you know, more of a casual setting, and that's what Tascas was. It was very casual in a sense of this culture of hey, we're all in it together, right? And I think that 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 um that struggles in the beginning of a small team growing taught them. It's like, Hey, we all, I'm not just the manager or the president. I'm an employee like everyone else. And I think that's what, what's coming back and you're growing. So, I mean, that's what I love about culture. Oh, and, and in general, what you're bringing to the table, because even your employees, I, I agree. I love your point that you brought up when it comes to the experience. So well, like you talked about high school, college and such back in the uh, North America and Canada, I think that's one of the, I just wanted, it's kind of a side note, but I think that's one of the things that needs uh, for entrepreneurs, even the, especially the younger ones, they have to realize is that there's no shortcuts. You can't mm -hmm. just put a title of entrepreneur and say, I'm an entrepreneur. You need to go through those internships, those high school experiences, those failures at work, those, um, you know, even though you go to a corporate setting, it sucks, go through it. Because like, that's the thing that's going to make you trigger you to like change the things. And I think that's, one of the things that I've seen here, it's a lot of them just want, well, not a lot, like just in general, it's people just want that title of entrepreneur or the title of CEO or director or VP, but you're not willing to go through that, those avenues to work for it. And then by the time you get to that level and then you hit a brick wall and then all of a sudden the responsibilities on you, you're screwed because now you don't, you haven't gone through the experience. You just have the title and now you put your employees in danger and I think that's where a lot of things here, uh, that's where problems in companies stem from. It's that poor leadership because you're putting leaders who, in a sense, are spoiled because he just won the title. Then when you, they get through the hard parts, they're screwed. And your employees are screwed. And then your company's screwed. And I think that when you, when you touch upon like that experience, when you said that word, it, it really made me think uh, about one point that I really believe in. And it's that experience that you have to go through, those failures. Yeah. successes, even those free moments where you have to give your product, your service for free, or you have to like go in the streets and run instead of, um, you know, sleep in your car and such. Those things are as hard as they were at that time. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that. I, oh, yeah. I live, I, those moments are the ones that drive me. Right. So I think for you too, right? Yeah. I used to say that, that those moments are my, the cost of admission for this, the life that we want to live. Right. So you said in the beginning was when you were explaining yourself, when you were, uh, you know, delivering coffee, getting coffee for people to the Irish dude. And I mean, though that, that position right there and people don't understand. I know it now, obviously when I was in that position, I'm like, I hated it. But I think if somebody took a step back and especially if someone's listening that's in that position, that's an amazing position to be in because no one's expecting shit from you. So that's when you can take this opportunity and learn about the company, learn about position, ask, as many questions as you want like you basically have the 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 ceo or the, whoever you're working for you have their attention and ask questions because they're not expecting anything right so you can get you get to learn you do research when you're that quote unquote bitch for the company but i i remember my times like when i had when i was in advertising and i was like you know, back in the day, we had to do presentation boards. I had to cut up the boards and all that stuff. And I was doing for somebody else. Man, I wish I took that opportunity to really shadow the art director and see what made him tick. And then realize when I became that art director and it was the other way around, 
I knew what the other guy was going for, that young kid that's doing it. I would actually do it for my, like I was like, oh, do this, and I would help him out. Uh, that was an awesome, that's an opportunity. But I think, again, what you're saying, people think that it's, especially millennials, sorry for, you know, it's about millennials, man, but they, I think right now they feel like, hey, I want to be a CEO. I'm CEO. I want to be like chairman of the, yeah, that's great. But you need to take the, you know, obviously the responsibilities of that. And I, I know for myself, as CEO, I, I don't like it. I, I never wanted to be a CEO. Uh, I never, I just wanted to create. I wanted to run the, you know, come up with these ideas and, you know, be part, like create this new way of like the lounge that we're doing and talking to, to customer or our clients, our members. I love that favorite part. And then coming with ideas, how to, you know, adapt to it and make it better and so on and so forth. But these, these, you know, millennials or anybody new in startup, they're trying to reach that title, but it's not the title, man. It's, it's the, the minutes and hours and years of experience and failures that you have to go through. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying go and do things and, and, and aim to fail, but when you do fail, you know, you can, you know, suck it up and, and, and you know, kind of embrace the suck for a moment and then get up and say, okay, what happened there? And fix it. And I guarantee that was, there's something in there that will make your company or your idea even better. But again, I think a lot of people, they see the glorification of entrepreneur. And they think it's like, I remember when, when you called yourself, back in the day, it wasn't called entrepreneur. You know what it was called? It was called unemployed. Unemployed. You know, when, you know, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. That, no. Or when you said, I work freelance, that means you're unemployed. And it was a bad connotation back in the day. Now, holy shit, everyone's calling themselves an entrepreneur. And I mean, go for it. But I mean, you need to do the work. And I, I've noticed that like with you, you've done the work. I know, you know, I, again, I'm in this po podcast and all in. I want to get down in the dirty of, you know, even for me, man, we had to, me and Amy had no money and, you know, beg, borrow and steal and, we were eating ramen noodles or she doesn't eat ramen because it's unhealthy, but we'll try to do whatever we can. But because of that hunger, literal, literally that hunger, you know, she worked her ass off. Well, I worked my ass off, but she worked her ass off to the point that she was able to get a food sponsor. I mean, now food is ready, available, you know, being delivered to her. And it's, I mean, that's because of that, that, you know, obviously unfortunate situations or the, you know, the beginning stages, it, it made her work harder. Right. And same thing for me, you know, when you're trying to make rent, it's like, Oh man, what am I going to do? You work harder and harder. Um, Rob, going back to Rob, I task us. I mean, he, he was a, a man of so much wisdom and stuff like that. I remember he even said that, you know, if you had to look at two people, one is super fucking rich and has a family behind them, to, you know, to support them and a person that's poor and, and never had the riches, didn't have the silver spoon. If they both start businesses, he would bet the money on the person that's poor because they know how it feels to eat ramen noodles. He, they know how to hustle. They don't, they don't have a safety net. So there's no in their brain of failure. Like I can't fail. I have no options. I don't have a plan B while someone is rich and I'm not, I don't want to generalize, but he was saying, those people have a safety net. So if it doesn't work out, hey, dad, mom, can you help me out with this? You know, and they do. Or, you know, I, I'm going to do something different. This is too much. I'm going to try something else. Right. And especially it's harder for them because they have to live to this expectation of, oh, my God, my mom did this or my dad did this, whoever started the business. That's a lot of fucking pressure. But when you come to a poor person, the, the really only pressure is survival. So you work your ass off. I know you do, man. Like, I know the life that you live, that you're, you're paying for admission right now, and both of us are, but even with you, and I think sometimes people forget that because you're doing, you know, you, does, you have such a great product. Everyone's like, ah, he's doing fine. But behind the scenes, man, it's like, it's crazy, <laughs> right? Yes. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, and that's, and I, I, that's what I want to talk about on this podcast, man. I, I want to, I don't want to talk about all the fucking, you know, unicorns and rainbows. I mean, I think if we can get someone who's listening and realize, especially a startup, and they're listening not to quit because of whatever obstacle they had to face that day, and they're like, fuck, I want to quit. If they can listen to 
to the podcast, man, and they realize, oh my God, they're they're going through it too. Oh, they went through it too. I mean, then they don't quit. Oh shit! I think that's for me. That's the, I, the one of the purposes why we're here is to help our our team, our employees, whatever you want to call them, to to see a brighter future ahead of them because that's what we're trying to change. You know, you're changing that culture goal and you're, you're really having this one-to-one interactions with employees at companies to give them the confidence of, yeah, you're working as a person who gets coffee, but look at the opportunities that you have and no one teaches them there, especially here in the Philippines. I don't think employees are taught that they're just taught, do your job, show up work, and then that's it. But I think you're teaching them, no, no, man, like you got to learn, look at the opportunities. What do you want to do in life? And, and that's, that's exciting. But, you know, but anybody that's listening, man, it's, it's not easy. Like you need to, you need to, you know, I guess it's such a, I don't know. I hate saying it because it feels like it's the same thing, but you got to grind. You do like you need to embrace the suck at the time when it's sucky and then obviously enjoy it when something good happens, but it will happen. Like, this whole quarantine, man. Like, how are you guys adapting now with obviously the, the new world, new world that we live in? Yeah, with everything that's going on, I mean, everybody needs, I mean, the biggest thing right now, what I see, from, at least from a culture code perspective, is how do you communicate with your team, yeah. right? Um, that's one of the biggest um, questions that people have. It's like, how do you effectively, not just communicate, but how do you effectively communicate to 10, 20, 100 thousand people in remote locations and since you don't have the office space where you can just walk around and sort of just say hey john you know great great game yesterday it's sort of like okay making sure the internet connections right uh how do i make sure that you're actually focused on this and i think that's one of the big things right now when it comes to culture it's like are you properly communicating with your team members are you properly communicating your team and you know what the, there's no magic formula but the formula that works best is once again, being human about it. It's having these human conversations, these talks and building the trust that way. Hey, did you watch this Netflix series? Did you, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, how's your family? You know, really having these human talks. And I think people are so focused uh, sometimes on, I have to talk work. I have to talk about the bottom line. I have to talk about these KPIs. And you know what, it, it may work in the office uh, environment, but when you're dealing with 10, 20, 100 people at home, uh, who are dealing with different scenarios, including this uh, virus that's going on, um, you know, you have to take a different approach. And if you go back to that normal scenario, normal scenario, we're going to fail. And I think this is an opportunity for us to adapt to when it comes to conversating with our team to really get involved with them, to really have these simple, but just overlooked conversations. And I think for Culture Code, that's what we're trying to showcase. It's sort of like, hey, do you, you know, have these conversations? Did you update them? Did you create updated policies that relate to what's going on to check on their families what are you doing to avoid any sort of layoffs uh what type of help are you seeking from the government to help with these employees yeah and i think those are the type of conversations that you should be having not only with management but also with your team and being transparent with them yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's crazy i think now it's now especially in this time this is where culture plays a big part in your company it's because culture is an attitude right it, and that and this is what we need is a positive attitude throughout this whole thing, especially for employees that are super scared to just kind of say, okay, let's think positively. Let's, how can we make this work? Not waiting for upper management to make the decision, but them saying, you know what, I'm going to take control of my own destiny. And I think we should do this. And, and that's only comes when you have a good culture in the company. Right. So, I mean, it's tough. Like I'm, I'm sort of simplifying this whole thing because that's what I do, but, and it helps me get by but it, it, it sometimes it is as simple as that is, is is the human connection and that cult that that uh, the positive attitude during the worst of times right it's trying to not let's put it in the universe kind of thought but it's just okay take it that day by day okay what can i do for today how can i connect with a, a colleague to work on this project so on and so forth with zoom and all this stuff it's coming out that okay there's a way to connect i thought the funniest thing i heard especially in the the first week of the quarantine is that companies are starting to realize that, you know, that meeting that we did when we had to do it wasn't really needed. You know what I mean? It's like fucking pick and choose 
went to meet and and that's it and i have a feeling it's gone back to that now it's like oh we have to have another zoom meeting oh we have to have another zoom like no you don't you know what i mean it's it's everyone is uh needs to kind of work together but it's yeah this is the time for culture man i mean like i said this is for all of us for you as a startup and myself and all the startups out there man this is the time to adapt like this is to kind of dig your heels in the in the dirt and really go for it and it's going to be scary but if you don't quit or if you not quit but if you pivot that's okay i mean i think that's i think people need to realize that that you have all the time in the world right now like make use of it don't be dictated by oh i has to be there no you have to take it day by day and adapt to it till the end of the day and the next day there's a new day and then let's and i think wow it's kind of it's profound this quarantine has made us do but i think that's what happens to especially entrepreneurs we learn how to adapt really quickly to to the the, the environment i agree i think um you know one of the things i had to adapt to it's like we used to, uh, one of the things we used to talk about when it comes to culture, it's like, oh yeah, the CEOs of uh, Google, of Starbucks, you know, they're, you know, these are great figures to look up to. And they are, you know, an extent. But what I've been noticing is that for me, I don't know about you, Noel, but I, I'm actually, the entrepreneurs I'm looking up to are actually like the tricycle driver who got his, like a 2000 peso funding. And he oh, made, I know, uh, the barbecue. Yeah. The barbecue stand, and yeah. it's 1200 a day instead. Yeah. yeah, one of the comments I saw in that post was somebody says, Fucking tell me if this guy delivers, I'll order from that. And and that's that ingenuity that that no matter what situation you're in, you can make it better. That was yeah, you're right. That was so inspiring. When I read that, I shared it, and I don't really share too much on my Facebook, but that one I definitely shared because I'm like, if this is real, holy shit, that guy's smarter than me. That guy is so much smarter than me. And it's relatable. I mean, if this guy can pull it off, there's a reason why. I mean, yeah, if you say, oh, yeah, the, Google, the CEO of Google or Amazon, yeah, it's a little bit more, you know. No, you're right. Oh, man, I get, yeah, I get inspired by yeah. the, the, the startups exactly. and the new guys, man. Like some someone said on the comment, which I'm like, whatever. I mean, that's part of negativity. You'll get it. Oh, but you guys have to understand the 1200 is not all his profit. It's like you have to pay for cost. Hello, did you fucking miss the message? of this whole thing look at what he did you know what i mean like and it's like again whatever take it i mean that guy is whatever i don't know what he's going through in his life but i found that so motivating you know because it's like holy shit that is so true you know what i mean and i'm hoping that god that 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 thing is real and they should find this guy and get delivery like they that guy that person earns earns what he, where he is right now and like i said i would definitely order from that and get it delivered to my house barbecue from him from anybody and i think that and you're right that's the difference between you know opening up a barbecue stand with that kind of person and it's right beside another person that doesn't have that attitude it doesn't i guess it does matter what how food if it's good but if it's both equally tasting good i'm going to lean towards the guy who's passionate like you said you know you know owners like you said that you saw me sitting down with you talking to you and that i think that i didn't know that but that was new in the philippines owners being there right and i think that's what it is with this guy he's there he's the owner he's there he's present in his company and he's he's working yeah. like if anybody's listening to this man if you know where this guy is and where if we can order oh my god please please let us know please man. i need some barbecue in my life i want too, some so. barbecue in my life but I want to. So I, I want to support this guy, man, because that is, yeah, man. Uh, I, yeah, that was the that 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 post was like mind mind shift on me. But you're looking at it too, like as well. You're looking at this guy. He didn't just sell barbecue, but he also saw the opportunity where there wasn't that many food options uh, around his neighborhood. Uh, people he, wanted that. He was that, selling that, hope. He was selling yeah, he was hope. Selling hope. And that's he, hope. He looked at the problem. Yeah. And he made something out of it. So it's not just like I'm selling barbecue. It's sort of like, what does the market need? What does my neighborhood need right now? Yeah. And let me make an opportunity out of it. And that's what he did. He didn't just sell barbecue, but he also sees an opportunity. And I think that's where entrepreneurs, no matter where you're at, you have an opportunity right now. The, 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 level, the grounds are a little bit more even when it comes to startups and, and corporations where you can look at an opportunity, look at a problem and sort of make something out of it. And I think yeah. so for anybody who's out there, now's the time. 
look for like you said, Noel, like day by day, right? Day by day. But what that proves that, and it sounds like a cliche all the time, but it's true. Anybody can make it. Anybody. Yeah. Like, does it matter where you're at? Like in like upper class, lower class, whatever. Everyone has the same opportunity in a sense of what you do with your life. Obviously, the person who has a lot of money has that. But again, going back to who are you going to put the money on? The person that's poor that's going to make it or the person that's rich is going to make it? More times than not, I think the person who's poor. And this guy proves that he's selling hope. He's selling a dream. He's selling that, you know what? I'm going to take the bull by its horn and I'm going to fucking go for it, right? And that's what he did. And that's, what's so, that's why it's so inspiring to us. It kind of confirms that, you know what? I'm working hard, but there's a reason for it. And he's in the same position as all of us are because we're just trying to live life, right? So that's, I love it, man. That, that, that man, like I said, anybody who knows where this guy is, let us know. Please. You know I, I'm, I don't, I don't, too. yeah, I don't even want to know if it's not real or not. I'm just hoping, I'm, <laughs> I'm fuck it. Don't yeah. come, if it's fake, don't even tell me because we need yeah. more of that, that, that hope in our life. You know, yeah, that was like, again, we were telling that, we tell that to all our, our team, our staff, that my goal is like for the groomers with Jay, you know, Jason, one day my goal is that he never has to cut hair again. All he does is travel around different places of refined and maven, teaching and educating other, you know, stylists at our company. And that way he has a better life for himself. You know, all these opportunities are available for a lot of people, man. And I think now, especially what's going on now, people, I think a lot of people are you know, trying to find out what that opportunity is and going with it and running with it. You know, we were, I don't know if you saw this post, but in our group chats, people are posting, you know, sharing, you know, top 13 companies that made it, you know, during tough times. You know what I mean? Ford, when they launched, it was the Great Depression. You know what I mean? And there's, I think Google started when there was a recession like or whatsapp started when there was a recession 2008 and all these companies because there was an opportunity right so it's going to be tough you know we know that but we just have to adapt to it so i don't know man i mean it's good i mean i love talking to you this is again you asked me oh you know what question are you gonna ask i'm like i have the fucking idea like i don't know what i'm gonna ask you it's just i want to have a conversation with you you have the same mindset as i do we went all in in our life like that's the hey, my big brother. So that's what happens. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah, I'm the big Looking older up to brother. You, so. yeah. No, I mean, I Looking think. Looking up to you, the, the muscle brother. So. <laughs> yeah. I think for us, I think we look up to each other. I know I do. I look up to you because what you've been doing, I, like you said, I don't look up to the CEOs. You know, I don't look up to Elon Musk or, you know, all the other CEOs out there. I mean, it's great what they've done, but I can't relate to that. I relate to the guy who's selling barbecue on the street. I relate to you. I relate all like, you know, Addy, who's one of our members that, you know, with B1 Milano, you know, and, and TW Steel, like what he's doing with his brother, Dino. Fuck, man, that, that's, that's what's inspiring to me when I'm talking to these guys. And I think I'm doing this podcast, I would like to say very self, like for selfish reasons too, because after talking to you, I get inspired after we, you know, stop recording. I, I, I'm fucking fired up the whole day. And that's why I'm hoping that all my interviews or talks or whatever you want to call it is in the morning because it starts me off perfectly hearing that you're going through the same thing I'm going through. And it's even though I'm having a second day or you're having a second day or whatever, it's, it's okay because the next day is going to be fucking different, right? And I think that's what I want is that every time we, we launch this is some people, the people listening are like, all right, I had a second day, but you know what? Let's get through it. You know, I mean, I love it, man. This is this has been the first ever first episode yeah. of All In. It's great. You know I mean, I'm learning a lot, so I'm learning a lot from you as well. So, yeah, so, I think we're all learning from each other. Yeah. Every day we're but learning. Think, yeah. 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 I think, like you said, just to like, you know, leave off with notes with for the people, like, don't give up. Like you said, Noah, I, I agree with you 100%. Day by day, things can change, right? And I think this is an opportunity where people can look forward to no matter what position you're in your CEO or somebody who's a struggling CEO or somebody who's looking for a job, like don't give up right now. There's so much things where stories in the news where, you know, people are going through worse things. Right. And I think right now, um, you know, you have to be optimistic. You have to realize like, despite, you know, I have the opportunity to do things. I have the opportunity to seize uh, something greater. 
And I think if you look at what the nurses are going through, what they see, and you realize that, I think you as an entrepreneur or just anybody who's giving up on hope, I think this is reason for you not to give up on hope. Yeah, this whole quarantine is like a metaphor in life. You know what I mean? This is basically, it's, it's testing you. And I think something that you said is like, I'll do this, do that. Like, I think the main thing is you got to just do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the problem I feel with the majority of people and everyone has the same opportunity is they are the worst critic. So when they come up with the idea, they quickly come up with reasons why it won't work. But a, an entrepreneur ignores those reasons why it won't work and they'll just do it and then realize, okay, I got to change this. I got to fix this. Oh, I got to modify this. But they do it in, in the end of it. And I think that's why the Nike tagline was so popular because it resonated to the human core was just do it, right? You just have to do it with the last stand. He just did it. He put the work in and he just did it, right? And I think that's why I think everyone needs to do. I mean, all in and, and don't get it twisted, man. All in doesn't mean you have to be an entrepreneur or a CEO or whatever you want to call yourself. But if you want to work nine to five, then, and that and you love doing that nine to five, then do it. Like all in doesn't only pertain to entrepreneurs or business guys or startups, man. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with living your life authentically. I mean, in other episodes, and maybe I'll do an episode just talking about my life. My, my life is 180 degrees different about five years ago. And, and, and those are, those, those, that life was like in holy. I mean, it was mind-blowing. I, I can't believe I lived a life that way, but it was five years ago, man. Uh, and it changed, and I made it change, and I made sure it changed, and, and that's where I went all in. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to talk about in all the other episodes is, is going all in doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to start up a company. All in is living your life authentically, and, and if you love to work at this place for nine to five or this car, fuck, do it. And if you come out happy every single day because you're serving coffee at Starbucks or whatever, I mean, I, I, my hat's to you. I mean, I'm motivated by you. And when I see people at Starbucks serving there and they're so happy, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, man, you just made my day. You know what I mean? That's, that's going all in, man. And, and, and talking to people like you, man, honestly, day one, day one, you walked in. I knew. It's like, holy shit, this is, my life is going to change forever. I mean, we tease about that your number is 002 or 003, but really you're a 001 member at the Refine. You were 100% supportive from day one. And I think it's not because we had a lounge or we had Wi-Fi or we can get our hair cut. I think it was a place that we all gathered and that we can shoot the shit. And if you're having a hard day, you can come and talk to Mark, the bartender, or Jason and tell your problems or... How, you know, all this stuff. I'm not going to go through all the services that we do. And, if you, you know, if you want to check it out, check it out. Um, but I think it's the human connection that we brought to the Refine that made us who we are today. And, and we'll obviously still bring that back afterwards. And, 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 you know, especially now it's more important to, I think people are appreciating what the human connection, how it really, how important it is to us. It's good. I think businesses are going to change, man, because... Uh, without human connection, we're fucking losing our shit in the States to, to losing their shit. And you know what? The core, the whole core of it is that um, the human connection is gone and people are fighting for human connection. So I think nowadays, I think after this quarantine with your company, Culture Co, man, it's about human connection and you're bringing that in. And same thing at the Refine and Maven, man, it's the human connection that people love and it, they're going to love after everything is in. And we're going to be fine. We're going to, but take this opportunity, man, this hardship and all this crazy stuff to adapt, man. And you're going to have bad days. I'm going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad day, but let's uh, together. We're all together, man. That's why I love talking to you. Honestly, man, this is, this is not scripted. This is no question. I have no, like, on my table. I have no questions. I don't know what that, you know, I just, I'm shooting the shit with you and that's, that's what we're going to do. So yeah, all the other episodes, there are going to be more episodes coming by and stuff like that. Watch out for us um, at All In. Brought to you by The Refine Lifestyle Lounge for Gentlemen. I had to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is pure selfishness, man. Thank you so much, bro, for uh, taking this time out. We talked Thank for about, about an hour and a half, man, and it, it felt like five minutes. 
And you know, we'll do it again. Honestly, yeah. it's, we're gonna. I'll call you up and say, "Hey, let's do another chat." Um, but we're, uh, you know, I if you can, we can motivate one person, man, inspire one person listening to this to to keep on moving forward, no matter what. You know what? That's that's why we're here in the Philippines, man. We did our part, and we're gonna keep on doing our part every day. All right, bro. Definitely. Thank you so much, Noel. Thank you so much for fine all in. Don't give up hope. Keep on pushing forward. Yeah, go so all in it. on live. All right. Yeah. I'll see you soon. Quick. All right. <laughs> bye bye. All right, my brother. All right, I'll see Thank you for listening to All In, a podcast brought to you by The Refined, a gentleman's lifestyle experience. Visit therefinedlounge.com for more details.